are back yep. on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. My name is Dirty Mike. And I am the Big Ugly. And we are on location today, Big Ugly. <laughs> no. Are we ever? Uh, you know, we're, we have loyalty to our fans, right? We really do, man. So we try to find ways. We will record this podcast anywhere. Yeah, that's I right. I realize that. We will record this podcast anywhere, and we can even go back to the faithful old Zoom microphone that we got right here. We don't have the Yeti right now. Do it. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the Yeti right now, but uh, we are here live right here in Franklin Square Hospital. In the hospital. Man. You know. <laughs> what lows will we go to next? What? <laughs> There'll be a funeral. <laughs> man, I tell you what. Now, now, we could get away with this and say this is where uh, Mrs. Ugly works, because mm. this is true. It is. Um, but, uh, you know, we also got to say that Dirty Mike uh, has to get cleaned up. This is the way we're going to put it right now. So, Dirty Mike is in the hospital. Everything's going to be okay. It's just going to take a matter of time. Just got to, you know, do an oil change, do the, you know, quick fluids, whatever. Get me all done, and I'll be back and rolling. But we're on number 55? Five? Yeah, it might be 55. 55. Yeah, one of them numbers. I think it's 55. Yeah, and I mean, we're coming out to you every couple weeks, but we're two busy individuals. Big Ugly, you got a lot going on. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little too much. Uh, and my wife tells me I, I have no chill is the exact phrase. So this yeah. is chill. What right, we do. Yeah, this is but this is chill. Here we go. This is part of what yeah. we chill. And I'm glad you're here, man. And uh, we're going to talk a little pro, pro wrestling for you. Um, and I appreciate this because the last 24 hours I could barely talk at all. So talking is great for this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and MySpace for the two now two people. <laughs> I've downloaded it on MySpace. And uh, and my illustrious mom, who was just in the room here, uh, she said that, uh, you know, she and my dad are trying to, you know, hook up the podcast. So we got to get them listening to it. Yeah, man. Uh, we got to get them listening to it. So you know, we, we also need we got to get uh, we got to get Matt Timmy back on a podcast before we do. The fall hits, man. We do. And you know, uh, actually, um, I think he opened up a, a gym. So well, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, he's opened up a gym now. So we put himself to over. Yeah. I mean, you know, after the summer's over, everybody went on to all those cookouts. You know, we got to get ourselves back on the street. Back on, yeah. Uh, before the holidays, before we come. completely screw ourselves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if we go completely downhill. That'll be one thing. So, Matt, tell me, that's a good idea. We need to do that on the podcast. But speaking of special guests, Big Ugly, I had an opportunity to do an interview with a gentleman who was a good friend of mine. Long-time personal, close, long-time friend. That's what they say. Uh, Joe Grasso. We call him Giuseppe. We call him the Paisan of Pain. Uh, he has a couple of other different nicknames, which he will tell you about. But um, mainly, he is a stage combat performer. And uh, he is currently working at the Maryland Renaissance Festival, which you can check out in uh, August, September, October, down in Crownsville, Maryland. Um, He is one of the main cast characters, which is so cool. Uh, Also, he is a creator with a couple of other guys called the Renaissance Rumble. No holds barred. That's (laughs) B-A-R-D. No holds barred. I'm going to show you the picture real quick. You you see this picture of Renaissance Rumble. We're going to tag this one to the podcast. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, Giuseppe DePaisan of Pain, whatever you want to call him, uh, he's a good friend of mine, and he and I talk for maybe 20 or 30 minutes, and we just uh, we talk about life, we talk about stage, stage combat, we talk about backyard pro wrestling. Backyard pro wrestling. We, we all we're know something about this. Yeah. Uh, but now we're in the hospital room, so this is not where you want to end up doing professional right, yeah. wrestling. I mean, uh, a couple of people ended up here after the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view last night, which we're going to talk about as well. Um but uh, let's go with uh, shout-out to Jam and Jason, who's not here right now. He's not in the hospital. Thank you, Jam and Jason, for not being in the hospital. 
Shout out to CM Funk. Funk. That's right. Hashtag uh, no hashtag. That's right. The king of non-social media. Uh, and what we're going to do right now is just throw out some quick results of something that I don't know if you have gotten a chance to see yet, Big Ugly. But it's all in. Uh, from Chicago, Illinois, the uh, Cody and the Young Bucks uh, booked this pay-per-view. Did you get a chance to hear or see any of it? So I did not get to see all in, but I did read up on everything. And, okay. okay, so just just for me to throw this out there, I just yes. think it's funny. Okay. So, you know, I read the sheets and I read, you know, you got a lot of these, uh, I don't know if you call them reporters or editors or whatever, but you know, they grade matches, right? Yes. So, a lot of times when I'm reading the WWE matches, a lot of them get C's, D's, you know, whatever. Sure. For some reason, all in, every match, A plus, mm-hmm. A minus, A. And <clears throat> I have to feel like... You know, it's so funny because I think Bruce Pritchard makes fun of this all the time about how Dave Meltzer just gives, like, if it took place in the Tokyo Superdome, it just gets six stars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And it's like, I, it's like, okay, I have to think there is something to what Bruce is talking about where it's like people are just on a bandwagon of, like, indie wrestling is just great. Right. No matter what. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I know that these performers put on great matches, but at the same time, I'm like it, it's it, it's like okay if WWE can't go through a whole card without getting at least a B, how does an indie card go through with all A's? Like right. you know what I'm saying? Like it's just like okay guys, like come on, like let's be realistic, you know. But hey, I guess that's that's the way it works sometimes when people on a bandwagon. So it is a bandwagon of indie wrestling right now, as it were, or overseas wrestling as it were but if you want to take a look at a lot of these styles and that same bandwagon i think is on nxt right now as well uh if you want to look at just recent wrestling um a lot of people are stepping up and if you want to talk about grades i think if you get into what we're about to talk about all in and hell in a cell a little bit later um you're going to see some higher marks because i think somebody needs to be somebody's difference booking this stuff I'm telling you, there's a lot of good things happening. Like, uh, and, and even CM Funk, you know, shout out to him watching uh, the the New Japan and All Japan channel, which he has. Um, you know, talking about the, uh, the the super card tournaments and everything going on over there. There is an A plus stellar match, and not just from a reporter. Yeah. That's from a fan. You know, saying you know, you watch this match, you can't take your eyes off of it. It's so, incredible. So would you say, because I, I guess you're also saying that from Hell in a Cell, yeah, yeah. Hell in a Cell also picked up the pace. It sure did. So do we? So do you think that WWE is getting to a point where they feel like, they, not necessarily that they have to compete, but that they feel the, I guess, fan competition of fans really enjoying the matches indie style, mm-hmm. and they're feeling like, okay, we got to catch up to this style of... One hundred percent. Okay. So I do see that WWE main stage has no real competition. There is no big gun out there like Vince or Triple H or whatever. Nobody going to match that. So, but you got to think that the uh, the people that are watching that there, the crowds are dwindling in WWE because they're going to those smaller crowds. They're going to these all in shows which sold out in sixty seconds or whatever it was. They're going to Japan to watch wrestling. And I mean, I, listen, I don't care like. Cody Rhodes and I guess a young Bucks. The young Bucks. That, they have to get so much credit for booking ten thousand people and selling out. I mean, that that's a feat right there. That like, that's is a crazy. Feat. And and to have done it as quickly as they did, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor couldn't <laughs> sell out their fight. Okay, nope. And these guys did it, and it's wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, in a time where people say 
wrestling is dead. They sold out 10,000. So they did. And they weren't WWE superstars. No, not so, at the time. Yeah. And but I mean they had a few on I mean, the show course, back and yeah. forth. But you're right. How did they do that? And I mean, because the network is 9.99 so easy to purchase or get rid of and then purchase again big ugly. Right. Yeah. As you know. <laughs> um, you know, but it's so easy to do that. But I mean, we, you know, actually see I'm funking myself. We bought the pay-per-view, and like, hey, you know, it's forty nine ninety nine. We could get the Fight Network and subscribe to that, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to buy the pay-per-view. We haven't bought a pay-per-view in a long time. Yeah. Let's do this. Now, we'll get into the timing a little bit later because they had to cut the main event short because of time constraints for the pay-per-view. The network does not have that. You, 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 right. you go over the network as they have for what, so long. What was the main event? So, the main event of All In mm-hmm. was, uh, let's see. The Golden Elite, which was Kota Ibushi, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, which are the Young Bucks, in a six-man tag team match against Bandito, Ray Phoenix, and Ray Mysterio. And Ray Mysterio, by the way, that's another name that WWE is throwing around for contract negotiations. True, but Ray Ray keeps saying that they have not come to an agreement. Like apparently, yeah. I don't know. I think I think the, I, I think what the big thing is with Ray Mysterio is I think he just wants he almost wants that Brock Lesnar indie kind of contract yeah and i'm not sure if wwe is biting on it you know i don't know about ray not for not for ray i love ray but i don't know about ray and that's exactly what i'm saying i think that they're not looking at him as somebody as big of a draw as a brock lesnar that they're like okay we'll bend and do this for Mm -hmm. compared to ray mysterio that they're like you know ray's a he's a he's a big superstar he's a legend in wrestling right but you know is he worth paying big money for little dates Mm. I don't mind him being that once-in-a-while competitor in the Royal Rumble or a once-in-a-while surprise, but he doesn't need to have that huge contract. Right, that huge contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't believe... I think you're on the right page right there. I like him, but he's not worth that. Exactly. Um, Why don't we go backwards right from there? So, um, the Golden Elite uh, actually won that match. It was a super kick party altogether. Now, uh, that match did not last too long. Each match beforehand, there were 11 matches on the card. Uh, each match beforehand probably went at least five or ten minutes over its allotted time. Uh, this pay-per-view was allotted to go from a 6 p.m. pre-show, 7 p.m. start, 11 p.m. hard cutoff because they had to start the replay. So if you got to 11 p.m., this was 10.50 that all these guys were making their entrances out there. They knew they had to go quick. Yeah. So you could actually hear it if you go back and listen to it about six or seven minutes in. Take it home. Go home. Like, you can hear them all. And then it's kind of a rushed finish. Not the best match of the night. That's probably one of the matches I'd give more of a B. Right. Uh, just because it had to be rushed. But it t- pay-per-view time constraints, it's going to happen. It was still a good match. Um, let's. Uh, there's one more match here. Let's uh, talk about Okada and Marty Skrull. Uh, Marty Skrull. Skrull? Skrull. S-C-U-R-L-L. I always get that name wrong. Um, I think this was one of Chad's... Uh, CM Funk's most favorite matches of the night, and Okada won. Um, it's just kind of bringing two organizations together, two different styles. It was a really good match. Um, here was my a personal favorite, Kenny Omega, who is hands down one of the greatest wrestlers in the entire world right now. Yeah. Uh, defeated, uh, it's called Penta El Zero, who is uh, Pantero Negro, or Pantero Zero, or uh, El Pantero, you know, whatever the case may be. And oh, hey, we got some visitors hey. coming into the dirty ugly. That's me. Hey, hey let's uh, let's take a pause for the cause, and we'll be right back right after this. Back right. After- 
And we're back. We appreciate your patience. Sorry about that interruption. A little dirty. pause for the call. That's right. little pause for the cause. The Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast has resumed. Uh, we just met uh, my nurse for the evening. His name is uh, Edward, but we call him Ed. That's what we said. That's what very we original. Said. <laughs> very original. Well, a very nice guy. He's going to take care of me throughout the uh, next night here. By the way, uh, you can send all of your uh, cards and letters to uh, dirtyuglywrestling at gmail.com because that still exists. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still there, yeah, and we appreciate it. often, but yeah. That's right. <laughs> we, it hasn't been checked often because everybody's following us on Facebook, everybody's following us on Instagram, Twitter, and of course, um, SoundCloud, my uh, SoundCloud, Insta, uh, SoundCloud, MySpace. I keep wanting to throw that in there because it's true. And iTunes, Stitcher, and Tune in Radio. Where were we? We were talking about uh, Kenny Omega and Pantero. Uh, so that match, in my opinion, was one of the best of the night. Singles match, Kenny Omega won. I didn't see any other way of that happening. Uh, Pantera as has been um, working on Lucha Underground been working in New Japan, has been working on Impact Pro Wrestling. Impact Pro Wrestling has got a lot of New Japan people over there right now. Now, uh, let's, uh, I'm going to jump back to the beginning. There was an over-the-budget battle royal at All In. So, that just means anybody that they couldn't afford, shouldn't afford, was in this battle royal. And uh, we're talking names like Billy Gunn. We're talking names like The Hurricane. Uh, we're talking a lot of people. And one of the up-and-comers in Ring of Honor named Flip Gordon actually won this over-the-top rope um, battle royal, and he got an opportunity to wrestle for the Ring of Honor uh, World Championship later that night. Uh, It was a great match, back and forth. Jay Lethal pulled out the Black Machismo deal, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Fantastic stuff. Uh, What a match between Jay Lethal, uh, and he actually had Lanny Poffo in his corner, so he had the brother of the Macho Man Randy Savage, Leaping Lanny, the genius, was in his corner. Um, and interestingly enough, Flip Gordon had Brandy Rhodes in uh, his corner. So Brandy Rhodes is kind of getting all over Ring of Honor helping everybody out. So uh, we're, that's not the last time we're going to see Brandy Rhodes tonight. So what do you think? Did you ever uh, did you ever have to take part, get to take part in that Jay Lethal uh, Black Machismo? mode? Did you ever see him do that? No. you got to check this out. So, Jay Lethal, Black Machismo. Right. So, you might even be able to put that on your YouTube machine or your Google machine, as uh, Bruce Pritchard would call it. Because when you see Black Machismo, (laughs) basically, Jay Lethal embodies the Macho Man Randy Savage. He embodies the look, the style, the voice. He even had a valet come out with SoCal Val, who uh, actually came out with him uh, at some point in time. And he came out to the music. He did it in Impact Wrestling for a long, long time. I'm about to look this thing out. So Jay you're about to look at that. Black Machismo. Yes, you check that out. While I keep going, I'm going to talk about the next match that was on here. Um, so let's see. Where am I going? I'm going backwards. Uh, let's see. Hangman Page, who that there was a really interesting um, backstage promo shot about the death of. Joey Ryan, which was interesting. Joey Ryan. Oh, here we go. Well, we got some music yeah. here. Check this out uh, before we talk about Joey Ryan. So this is the Jay Lethal Black Machismo. That is, and it's kind of like a play on the 
old Randy Orton. And, uh, I mean, I said Randy, Randy Savage. Orton. Yeah, Randy you did Savage. say Randy Orton. Yeah. All right, this is great. I'm going to have to check some, some Check out some videos because yeah. he gets in there. He yeah. actually has a back and forth with Ric Flair and TNA Impact Wrestling that is phenomenal. Nice. Oh, my goodness. They both does he look do like the, Does he do the Savage like uh, impersonation? He sure does. Nice. From beginning to end, he does it. He, he looks around, does the finger. Ooh, yeah. He's so good at it. Um, but as we uh, talk about that, uh, let's see. The Hangman Page uh, defeated Joey Janela with Penelope Ford in a Chicago street fight. Uh, speaking of Chicago street fight, this thing went 20, 25 minutes. Went all over the arena, and they beat the crap out of each other. These two could have killed each other. Um, but the Hangman Page won. And uh, there was... Uh, again, backstage promo that actually showed Joey Ryan being murdered. Um, it's pretty interesting, like, who murdered Joey Ryan and why. Joey Ryan is uh, a guy who likes to have a lollipop in his mouth and yeah. likes to take the lollipop down his chest hair yeah. and put the lollipop in his trunks and then pick it out for later. So that's Joey Ryan. <laughs> um, as... As you will see, um, later on in this show, I think I might have even passed it by now, but uh, actually, I think it might have been after that match. It might have been after the Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon. It may have been. Um, or it was after Okada in school. But, oh, somewhere in there, a big Undertaker spot happened. This is what I want to tell you. So, Joey Ryan was presumed dead. And all of these, there may be 12 of them, full-length penises costumes walked out of the back. Now, first of all, they were limp. But, uh, however, Joey Ryan appeared, and as he walked past each penis, each penis got erect. <laughs> and then Joey Ryan showed up in the ring. So, and then he, you know, has the... How um, is this <laughs> you know, This is on pay-per-view, my friend. Um, and they got oh, away with is, a lot of stuff. This is funny. They, they... Anything a traditional pay-per-view, they... they Stole it or got away with it. Yeah. Let me tell you. Uh, they had Road Warrior Ro- Road Warrior Animal come out at the beginning on a, on a motorcycle, so that was pretty cool. That's pretty dope. That I is. didn't know that part. Okay. It's pretty dope. Now, here's the biggest match of the show, in my opinion. Cody Rhodes with Brandy uh, and also had uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Glacier, if you remember that guy from WCW, and Tommy Dreamer in his corner um, defended, actually, def- I would say defeated Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. So Cody and Dustin Rhodes, or I should say Dusty Rhodes, the only father and son team to ever hold the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Big prestige. Huge deal. This match lasted 30 minutes, as it should have. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, Jeff Jarrett was in Nick Aldis's corner. Uh, he had a couple of other people in his corner. This was a huge, huge deal. They didn't main event the show with this because... Uh, the Bucks were gonna, you know, gonna do that to main event the show to Super Kick Party, but um, you know, I'm glad this match got the time that it did. Definitely, if you're gonna go back and watch All In, this is the one to watch. Okay, uh, I'm gonna keep going backwards now. And oh, by the way, later on we're gonna talk about Hell in a Cell because uh, you read about it, I watched it, and it was Hell, and it wasn't a Cell, and it was red. Uh, we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but it was red. Um, let's talk about. Um, Looks like there was a survival match. Uh, it looks like the Mr. Green, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Madison Rain. Or Miss Green, I should say. Um, so that was a, a four corners or four women survival match. All four women had been in TNA, WWE, Impact, New Japan, wherever. Fantastic match. 
Divas Division lookout, Women's Division lookout, Knockouts Division lookout. Um, and it uh, looks like Chelsea Green actually won that match. And if you don't remember Chelsea Green, she uh, is actually dating Zack Ryder now. And she is the, the what is it she called herself? The Hot the hot Mess Princess. I think that's what she the called it. The Hot Mess Princess. Yeah. Like She's the, currently dating Zack Ryder. That's correct. Okay. Which is interesting during the spot during the match. She did the woo, 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 you know it during the match nice. too. So there was nothing that was off limits for this crowd. This crowd was hot from beginning to end. Now I'd say all these matches are A's. The only match I give a B to so far is the end. Right, because they were rushed. They had the, they had the rush finish. Yeah. Um, here's a match that uh, opened up the show and j- just incredible. Um, what was this? Uh, Christopher Daniels with Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky uh, defeated Stephen Amell. <laughs> so this is the Green Arrow. There's a match that you were thinking, okay, Stephen Amell has fought in WWE before. It was an okay match. It was a gimmick match. This match was really good. Christopher Daniels walked him all the way through it. And Christopher Daniels won, which makes sense. He should. Um, Matt Cross defeated MJF. MJF, I actually got to work with him. Um, make a, me, wait a minute. Jacob Friedman. Max, Max Jacob Friedman, I think his name is. I got to work with him. Great talent. Fantastic. Great match. Um, and uh, they had the uh, over the top rope battle royal, which we talked about the over the budget battle royal, which um, Flip Gordon won. Interestingly enough, Bully Ray came in and power bombed a guy through the table, and that's the guy who ended up winning, and that's Flip Gordon. So that's kind of what happened. Bully there. Ray is that? Yeah, Bu- Bully Bubba, Ray. Bubba? Bubba Ray. Okay. He's still wrestling. He's still doing it. He retired once. I th- yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> okay. He retired a couple times, as right. a matter of fact. And see, I read, I read up on this pay-per-view, but I guess I didn't read thoroughly enough because I had no idea he showed up. Okay. Yeah, that Keep was going. in the over-the-budget battle royal. No problem there. But uh, And we had one pre-show match that was on the WGN network, uh, and this pre-show match actually set the tone for everything. It's so much on this card, how do you put anything pre-show? So Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky taking on the Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark Briscoe, and Kazarian and Scorpio one. This was one of those tag team matches that went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, finish after false finish after false finish, and it lasted almost 20 minutes on a pre-show. And you wanted it to continue. Set the pace for this show. This show was non-stop. Every match was a standing ovation and absolutely should have been. So you talk about, wrapping around what you talked about earlier, the yeah. indie scene. Like the, this, is, this is an indie show in all aspects. It's an indie show that's taken a lot of everything together. New Japan, Impact, um, Ring, of you know, Ring of Honor, of course. And all of these are just glorified indie shows. Right, yeah. So, and they put them all together, and what did you like? What did you say? It sold out. Sold in, out. in minutes. Right. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. And 10,000 seats. This is not like a, a WWE 33-4300, you know, coming into SmackDown and they tarp off half the arena because you can't get the camera side. Right, yeah. <laughs> So what do you think? I, you know, you might go back and watch it. You might go back and watch parts of it. You might go back and watch the uh, Black Machismo. But from everything that I just said, what do you? What are your thoughts? I mean, from everything that you just said, I would say that they put on an A plus show. They did. I can understand why. I can understand. I, I, you know, I do believe that people are bandwagon jumping. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. and potentially giving unrealistic. Like grades and things, just because they're so hyped about that sure. atmosphere, more so than like really paying attention to all of the details. Right. But at the same time, I feel like the advantage with an indie show like this is that it's not something that's repeated every single week. 
Therefore, you can come together. You can put a lot of time and thought into what you're going to do. And then you can come together and execute it like they did and yeah. make it really something special. You know, and I think that that's something that, you know, um, that type of show has that an advantage that WWE doesn't necessarily have because WWE is on every week. They're on that's every right. week. It's almost a freaking pay-per-view every month. Right. You know, it, it, it's just oversaturated it with, with material and content. So, but not to take anything away from them, I think that it sounded like a phenomenal show. Really I'm was. I'm hoping to go back and watch it if it gets put on YouTube or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are some matches up on YouTube and also yeah. up on Facebook. So, yeah. check that out. I don't yeah. know if you want to pay forty nine ninety five for the rest of the pay-per-view, but uh, it was worth it. Well, well worth it. So, um... What do you say, uh, for just a minute, we take a break uh, one more time, and then when we come back, why don't we talk about the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, but uh, in the middle of that, why don't, we, why don't we input this Joe Grasso interview right in the middle of segment two? All right, so How do you coming feel about up, that? let's do it. Coming up next, Joe Grasso, and let me tell you guys, if you have not been to the Ren Fair Festival, if you're in the Maryland area, well, they travel everywhere, right? They don't... There's a lot of Renfest in yeah. a lot of different so states, if, so yeah. definitely go out state, and see. Look up the Renfest. Renfest is awesome. I was there last year. I actually made a video. Did I ever show you that video? You didn't, but you're going to okay. have to. Yeah. I'm so, yeah, Renfest was great. Um, yeah, I encourage everyone to go. Yeah. Please do. There's so much to do there, uh, so much to eat there. Yeah. Um, did you ever do the knife throwing? I did. Um, we did, the, actually, the axe throwing. So, funny enough, I just went axe throwing last weekend. Okay. Not at Renfest, but at, at actual place, Downtown Baltimore. Urban Axes, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I loved it. So, it was I cool? was a beast, yeah. You were a beast? Yeah. All you right. were a full-time beast? But yeah, exactly. So, anyway, I'm sorry. We got distracted. <laughs> That's Go all right. Renfest. Joe Grasso interview coming up Giuseppe. Now. That's right. The Paisana Pain coming up now. We are back on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. My name is Dirty Mike, and the Big Ugly is not here with me right now. He's on location doing special things, but I am on location with a very special guest. Uh, this is a gentleman I've known for roughly 20 years or so. I, 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 oh, my God. We're both old, sir. Uh, <laughs> we're both dirtier and uglier than we were when we first met each other. Let's talk about that. <laughs> this is uh, a gentleman who is a professional wrestling fan. He is a professional wrestler in and of himself. Uh, we met uh, in the backyards in the basements of the dock uh, long, long ago. And uh, now he's actually one of the uh, premier performers at the Maryland Renaissance Festival in Crownsville, Maryland. We're going to talk about that, the Renaissance Rumble, and so much more. Joe Grasso, Giuseppe, welcome to the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Well, thanks, brother. It's good to be dirty and ugly with you once again. <laughs> well, I think we've both stayed dirty and ugly over the years. Now I'm just pro pronouncing it on the podcast. And, uh, you know, when, when it's raining at the Renaissance Fair, everybody's dirty and ugly. Oh, yeah, man. You better believe it. <laughs> so, hey, it's been a while. How are you? How's life treating you? Well, life is good, man. You know, working at the Renaissance Festival, uh, working the pro wrestling circuit in and around West Virginia, and in and around Maryland, up to Pennsylvania. Keeping it busy. Keeping it live. That's right. And you're, you're a family man as well. You know, not yeah, to... Yeah, family to man, too. Yeah, that always works out in pro wrestling, right? <laughs> it does. You know, family comes first. You know, the pro wrestling yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and all, all these uh, kids and wives and gimmicks they call bills, I think they're called. Oh, yeah, yeah. Too, just too much, but you know what? You you keep yourself busy, and uh, we appre we appreciate you. So a little bit of background here. I've known uh, Joe Grasso, Giuseppe, as it were, um, for roughly twenty years. Uh, we met 
uh, way back when, when there was a group called, I believe they were called the New Breed. Am I right about that? Yes, we were the New Breed. And uh, there was, uh, you know, everybody did their little backyard thing, and that's, you know, kind of how, don't try this at home. We didn't. We did it at other people's houses. So right. <laughs> uh, so we were okay, but yeah, there was a, there was a group, there was a faction, and we all had a good time, and uh, we got to explore our creative juices. Kept us off the streets, right, Giuseppe? Oh, yeah, off the streets in the backyard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you and I had some confrontations, as it were, which was great. I love the memories, great stuff. I believe uh, the timekeeper for EWA Pro Wrestling, uh, Mr. Joe Clunk, the man they call Joe, has them all on DVD somewhere. And they call Joe, oh, yeah. <laughs> You remember that? How can I forget him? How can you forget? And, I mean, there was the, you know, Grimlock, and we had Carnage, I believe, uh, Random X. Wow. Next step. Oh, so, so many times and uh, so many good, good times. But I, I think there's all an archived library out there somewhere. So we had a good time. It was fun. We had uh, Surge Cola and, you know, we, we just had a lot of pizza and, and enjoyed ourselves. Oh, yeah. I want to throw out one thing about that. The Super Giuseppe Super Show. Do you remember that? mother <laughs> you sure did and that was so much fun um you know it was very video game-ish very creative-ish very uh just so so creative and i believe there was a spaghetti western match in that is that my correct that was still one of the best matches of the ubwf <laughs> <laughs> it was the marshall right marshall mcleod it was Marshall McLeod. I, I speak of it still highly to this day. I, I, there's pictures of him with the, in his face of spaghetti, and I still remember that that was something that the WWE nor any other promotion has ever copied. To this day, from what I understand, that's still a, an original. It, it is a wasted value, and you're lifting You're lo- uh, blah. <laughs> You are missing out. I, I, uh, I perform for a living, can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> um, you're missing out on a piece of information. I, at that time... And what became my first gimmick in the pro world was Giuseppe the Paisan of Pain. Right, and that, that was my next note here as I take ah. notes, the Paisan of Pain. So I remember that, and you brought it into the actual world of professional wrestling. So you, you went to school uh, for it, you know, as, as we all did, you know, hopefully. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your entrance in from the, from the backyard into the world of professional wrestling. Talk about it. Sure. Well, I went out to West Virginia, trained there, trained under Wildman Robbie Page, Tremor, and Ishman Martinez. Uh, he wasn't there when I first started. That was back in 07, mm-hmm. even just after me, but now he's a big name there. Yeah. Uh, trained under them, worked with NWL, the National Wrestling League. Um, that was back in 07. Did it for six to eight months. Said, you know, this time I was a professional puppeteer. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but there's not a whole lot of money in professional puppeteering. I, I don't know the ins and outs of the puppeteering underground, but I'm sure you do, so I believe you. It's good, yeah, yeah. So at that point I went, ah, I, I don't think I can do both pro wrestling and puppeteering and survive financially. So I had to give up the world. I had to give up the, give up the boots for a bit. But then went off. Got, uh, became a certified actor combatant with the Society of American Fight Directors. Uh, they're a lovely organization that teaches stage combat in a safe way. But went with them, trained with them for oh, the past decade. But in 2008, I kind of started working with the Maryland Renaissance Festival, keeping my former track going. You've been doing that for and 10 years? 10 years I've been doing that. 
Wow. When I first started there, I was just on their fight team. You know, I'm doing their the human chess game and any plays, Romeo and Juliet, where they have fights, they pull me in. Sure. And uh, then about, at that time, back in 08, I met a man named Mike Martin. He was there, he'd been there, he'd been there 10 years when I showed up. Right. And we became friends over the years. And in about 2015, you know, I'm going to Taco Bell with him after a rehearsal. The, the <laughs> And uh, I say to him, you know, the Renaissance Festival does not have anything that looks like pro wrestling. And you know what I bet would sell there? Pro wrestling. <laughs> and he said, you know what? You write the show and find me a ring and I'll do it. Well, that's tall order. So <laughs> a little later that year, we hear that Woolly Mammoth Theater is doing... Uh, the elaborate entrance of Chad Deity, which if you don't know, it's one of two plays that I'm familiar with that involve pro wrestling. Okay. Um, and they had a ring. They had a little 14-foot backyard-style ring from Monster Rings and Cages. Ah, a little pony ring. Real tiny pony yeah, ring. Yeah, a little thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, like I said, there's only two plays that have pro wrestling. So Wooly Mammoth don't need a ring just hanging around their backstage. Right. So they put out the word, hey, we're looking to sell this ring. And we went, well, let's go check it out. <laughs> so me and Mike and uh, Casey Severin, another lovely member of uh, Renaissance Rumble, more on him later, we go over to William Hill to check it out, and we throw him an offer. And they said, yeah, haul it out of here. So then we get this little 14-foot ring, and then we pull in two other guys from the festival, John Kelso, John Dixon, who are just two brilliant minds. Um, you know, look. Mike Martin and I. Now, Mike, Mike had trained at Bonebreakers back oh. in the day, back in the, the early 90s. That's how we, or the late 90s, that's how we connected when I first got to the festival. Like, oh, you trained? I trained too. Did you finish? No. Did you finish? No. Ah, fuck. <laughs> um, so, we both partially trained at that point, and we went, well, you know wrestling, I know wrestling. We write okay shows. Let's pull in these other smart guys, get them together. We sort of create this weird piratey wrestlingy show with this ring, this fourteen foot ring. And I got to tell you, brother, if you've ever bumped on a fourteen foot ring, it's like bumping on a deck. <laughs> yeah, I've bumped in some tiny rings going through the paces of myself, and it's it's that's very much like a a boxing ring. I think I'd rather take the bump on the on the ground actually. Sometimes, right, right, right. There's just no give to it. Yeah. Um, everyone thinks, oh, so well, anyway. Right. We get this ring. We get the guys. We start. Putting together this idea, oh, we'll do a pirate show. It'll be pirates versus navy. It'll be interesting. We put it together. We sent it to the festival, and they're like, um, no. <laughs> no, no. And we go, oh, man. They say, look, we like you guys. You know, Mike, you've been working here for 10 years. At this point, uh, 15 years. Right. You know, Joe, you've been working here for five. We trust you guys. We'll book a show from you. Write something different. We went, all right, damn. Okay, great. What if we took Shakespeare? One of the first things when you're learning in high school, when they teach you Shakespeare, it's like Shakespeare was like the pro wrestling of its day. <laughs> you had these stories where there's love and fighting and huge story. Like, you know, Romeo and Juliet is just a wrestling storyline, let's be honest. <laughs> so we took that idea and we said, well, what if we took these fight scenes and crafted them in a way that makes them wrestling-y? So that's what we did. And boom, Renaissance Rumble. The pro wrestling inspired Shakespeare.
Shakespeare-themed stunt show that is Renaissance Rumble was born. And we're going to go deeper into that in just a minute, but uh, the Renaissance Rumble is one of the fantastic shows that you can see. I believe it's on the Blackfriars stage right now, um, and it's at the Maryland Renaissance Fair in Crownsville, Maryland. Uh, you know, check out the Maryland Renaissance Festival uh, online, on Facebook. Uh, actually, on you can Google it, and it'll come up, and you can get tickets to it. You can get directions to it. Uh, they go rain or shine. Now, as we found out, unfortunately, the Renaissance Rumble is a little bit harder to perform in the rain because of safety precautions, because of the ring. Um, so we understand this. We understand this. But it's definitely going to be sunny enough out there, and the weather's going to cooperate enough to where you guys have done this for a, a couple of years now, right? This is our fourth year doing it. Wow. That is incredible. And when you get the admission to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you get admission to all shows. Um, so if you are heading around and you're heading around to where the Blackfriars stage is, it's actually, uh, if you're heading down past the main jousting area and you just take that little corner around, it's back there. So you cannot miss it. And this is something that you want to see if you're a fan of... If you're a fan of Shakespeare, you're going to be surprised. If you're a fan of professional wrestling, you're going to be impressed. Uh, either way, it's going to be great. So talk about a little bit about the... Right now, we're taking a break. We'll start up again in October. Oh, okay, because you guys are going to be doing some different things. Yeah. So, you know, out and around. And, and uh, we'll get back to the Renaissance Rumble in a minute. So I think you're going to... I mean, you're, you're a dad. You're, you're a husband. You're out doing things. Um, you're, you know, and you're also in the world of professional wrestling now. So where are you at now? I know uh, Eastern Wrestling Association, Parkville, Maryland, September 22nd. I believe the Grimy Scots are supposed to be there? Oh, 22nd? No, 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 no. No! Oh, God. I know you've been at the Warehouse Wars. <laughs> you know that... Uh, we went to the Warehouse Wars. We wrestled there. Um, and you know, after Renaissance Rumble took off for a bit, um, I, I look at Mike Martin. I say, you know, brother, there's a mountain we haven't climbed yet. He said, I know. And we both decided it's time. We went back and we finished up our training, got certified. Um, and then we formed the tag team, the Grimy Scots, which is, you know, they, our opponents might take the high road, but we always take the low. <laughs> now that's a gimmick. That's right. That's a T-shirt right there. It is. It, you're, you're dang right it is. Um, <laughs> we start wrestling with uh, NWL. We start wrestling with uh, WXWC4, same with the Head Shrinkers Federation up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, we work with, uh, we're going to start working with Elite soon, Elite Pro Wrestling Alliance. Wow. Um, we did Outlaw Pro Wrestling down in West Virginia. We did Route 33 Wrestling out in deepest West Virginia, out mm. in Spencer, West Virginia. Um and we're just going to start up with EWA. We're doing. We did their warehouse wars, and yeah. on October twenty fifth, we will be there. Ah, at the last rites. That's right. That's what I. That's what you want to see. Definitely show up on the twenty second if you want to see. There's an evolution ladder match, all that stuff. But the grimy Scots oh. will be there in October. Correct. We would love to have been there on the twenty second, but schedules didn't work out. You know, you're doing a lot of things, so that happens. You're doing a lot of things, damn it. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I try to keep doing a lot of things as well, you know, while, while the motor's still running. And, you know, I'll, I'll keep doing it as long as I can. So will you. I know you will. Oh, yeah. How long have you been growing that beard? Oh, the beard. Well, I mean, I, originally, you know, I got out of high school. Good luck. We, I went to a Catholic high school. A as did I. So we were rebelling at the end of those years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I let that grow for like a good two years. It got long and stringy and gross. Um, <laughs> I, just, I couldn't do it anymore. So after that, I, uh, I shored off and 
went clean shaven for a bit, then bounced it back. Now I got this nice. I had a, a Van Dyke goatee for a while, and that looked cool. I had mutt chops when I first started at the Renaissance Festival. Wow. Like Fezzik from Princess Bride. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. And then I started growing it out again, grew it long, when I got a wife who said, hey, you should grow that out. And I went, yes, ma'am. <laughs> grew that out, and it got down to the middle of my chest. And then I said, I can't live this way, man. The middle of your chest. The middle of my chest it went down to. Good God. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, I got it nice and trimmed, bushy when I need it to be. Not so long that an opponent can grab it, because that's the real that's the real issue. Don't, I don't even go by grabbing my beard, getting over on me. That's not legal. That's right. It's not legal. It's grabbing the hair, and that's that's part of the hair, so that's not right. That's, that's correct, sir. <laughs> I know the rules. I've done refereeing in the profession. I know, I know what the rules are. Now, sometimes as a referee, I don't see these things, but, you know, so be it. The referee doesn't see or hear much. Come on. You ain't got eyes in the back of your head. What are you supposed to do? Exactly. Uh, so that's, wow, that's impressive. And your, your beard is a gimmick on its own, let me tell you. And Oh, yeah. And it's, it's a very individual. Yes, that's right. You are a uh, you are an individual. You are one of a kind. Now I will say this is this was very interesting. As uh, you know, we walked into the Renaissance Festival, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. I saw out, out of the uh, the gateway area and past the porta potties, uh, straight up to the the main entrance. I believe you were in that group of because uh, you're in the main cast of characters. So you were walking up and uh, opening the fair. Is that correct? Uh, correct, yes. I thought that was you in there. I knew you were there, but yes. y- imagine so many guys in those types of beards with all these headdresses and everything on that it looks a lot similar. So until I catch your eye, I'm not exactly sure that it's you. <laughs> I do blend in. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's not that I don't know who you are. I do because as I'm speaking to you now, as I said, I've known you for 20 years and I'm like, I, I-, I turned to my illustrious girlfriend, Kristen, and I said, that's, that's Giuseppe right there. And I, and I yeah. explained who you were and how I knew you. And it's like, you know, so we've, we're sticking around until at least four. We're going to see this Renaissance Rumble. Um, unfortunately, it got rained out. And I know you guys waited till the very last second to uh, announce that it was because I know you guys were waiting for it and hoping that it was going to let up enough to, to get it done. And so were we. And there were definitely about 50 people out there that were ready to watch it in the rain. Um, you pack it in. That's something that it doesn't surprise me, but it always, it always, uh, I don't know. It takes me by a little surprise when I see how packed we can get that house. I, I've seen it on YouTube, and I've seen like how there's there's several hundred people in there. You know, people st- all over the benches and standing up in the back, walking up and down the hill and stopping and watching. I mean, it's amazing. Oh yeah. Um, and so back to the other part of the story. So as we were walking through the fair, um, and I, I see the uh, the group again coming out with uh, what what kind of weapons were those at that point in time? Those were pikes, sir. Pikes. Okay, thank you. I saw them. You could buy them in the wooden fashion or the uh, the actual fashion at the Renaissance Fair, um, the Renaissance Festival. But as the the group walked past me, I looked again. I thought it was you again, and I was right because you gave me a wink, and I'm like, ah, Giuseppe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how much I. And let's use wrestling terms. I popped for that. I marked out for that. I'm like, this guy at the Renaissance Festival remembers me and gave me a wink, and I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. And I'm just like, that's a guy who just winked at me. That's pretty hot. So I'm never going to forget Thunderbolt Mike Stryker. Oh, my God. You know, as much as we talk about Giuseppe and the Paisan of Pain where that started, Thunderbolt Mike Stryker, S-T-R-Y-K-E-R, unbelievable. 
<laughs> you know, and that was one of my many gimmicks, as it were. And I had the, you know, the, uh, what was it, the uh, silver and black Zubas? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the uh, patch on the back because they ripped, and I was just like, man, these are too cool, and they're they're very wrestling gimmicky. So I'm gonna put the the pat the, the patch right there on the right there on the ass, the ass patch of power, and I'm gonna use it. You know, I actually use that 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 same idea. I remembered when I was first crafting when I came back to training. Yeah. That uh, a grizzly. I'm gonna be a grizzly. Uh, uh, this is before the Scots. I was gonna be Grizzly Joe Grasso. Mm. Well, what does he wear? He wears pants that are made of various animal first and I went you know what I'm going to put a patch on the butt and it's going to be a squirrel <laughs> that's exactly what I did oh my god you know uh, and I never thought that that could make an impact so much later and I guess it did I mean in part um so that's fantastic yeah Thunderbolt Mike Stryker the, the riggedy renegade uh maniac Mike whatever I have so many aliases now I think I, my the UBWF days got me of that I got uh you know, Dirty Mike on the podcast. I got Maniac Mike in the karaoke DJ world. I got Vanilla Mike in the karaoke DJ world. Uh, and I got Mikey D, you know. That's just basically who I am. Our days, they were really a trial by fire because we all played about five different characters each. We didn't have a crowd. We didn't want a crowd. We did it for each other. <laughs> and we just like, well, how do we put a storyline out there? You know, so many other backyard guys were like, well, let's just hit each other with light bulbs. We were never like that. I mean, sometimes we were like that. but Never to that extent. No, 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 never that bad. We never, like, wanted to hurt each other. We never wanted to do anything super hardcore. Right. But we're just like, what's an interesting story we can tell? And then me coming in, I, I was a high schooler coming in. Yeah. And I'm listening to you guys like, oh, let's do this story and let's do that and let's, let's, let's put this guy over. And it, it really was my entrance into the world of pro wrestling that could be more moving beyond being a fan and learning how to book and learning how to... Uh, just create characters and tell stories. Yes. And that's what we did. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time on that. And then everybody got to create and book their own show. And, I mean, you know, a lot of people, uh, let's just say this, independent wrestling world, if you, 90% of those people have done backyard wrestling at one point or time, I'd say at least 90. That might be a oh, generous really? estimate. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, again, it's... It's the, your introduction into ways of creativity. You know, some people play Dungeons and Dragons, as we all did. Some people play video games, as we all did, um, and some still do. But that that was that was a lot of fun. That was a maybe a two year period for you guys and a six year period for us. That just kind of led us into partially, at least in part, what we're all doing now. Oh yeah, definitely. That's incredible. Uh, I want you to, um, before we take it home, as it were, I want you to talk a little bit more about the grimy Scots. I mean, are you still Giuseppe? Because that sounds more Italian, not grimy Scottish. So what is your um, what is your gimmick now for you and your partner? So Giuseppe the Paisan of Pain has retired, which is fine. Hey, I've always got the gimmick in my bag because you never know. That's right. That's a clue out there for any of you workers. Always have five gimmicks in your bag. <laughs> you never know. That's right. That's right. Um, right now, I am Grizzly Duncan McBain, and my partner is Hamish Stewart, and we are the grimy Scots from Edinburgh, Scotland. Weighing in at 35 stone, ready to take on all comers. That's us. That's the grimy Scots. That's great. Damn good in kilts, I gotta say. <laughs> I got my introduction. I've been watching Rowdy Rowdy Piper for a long time and the kilt and everything like that, and I got my introduction 
at the uh, th- there was a, a gentleman and he uh, worked with a team and they sell kilts at the Maryland Renaissance Festival and I actually went in. I have his business card. Um, I put him over right now. If I had it right in front of me, I don't. But um, he basically told me about the several different styles of kilts and how to you know the pleats, the not pleats, the belts, you know all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to be buying my very first kilt, so uh, I'm sure you have at least one. I have one kilt. I only need one kilt, and I'll plug where I get mine, Sport Kilt, sportkilt.com. They are meant for sporting events. Ideally, they're meant for the Highland Games, caber tossing, tug of war, that sort of thing, but they work equally well in the ring, I must say. That's fantastic. So that doesn't... That, that's... They don't come off. They're wonderful. That's good. That's a good thing. I was going to ask you. They are in uh, the moving and running and bumping around. They, they, they do stay on. Pleated, not pleated, belt loops. I personally have pleated with belt loops. I tie an extra sash around there, and it does not move off my body. I can't wait to be, um, you know, either at in October at EWA, October 25th at Tall Cedars Hall in Parkville, Maryland, uh, EWA Pro Wrestling uh, on Facebook. I can't wait to be there. I hope to be at least on the commentary, if not possibly have to be a, a guest ring announcer or a referee or guest referee, because 20 years, this is why you want to keep connections and, and, and do this, people, because 20 years later we could encounter each other and be like, you know what, hey, we got this podcast, we got this wrestling show, we got this Renaissance Rumble, let's, let's make it happen. That is oh, yeah. cool. You know, we made Renaissance Rumble because I, my motto has always been that wrestling is theater. You know, it's the red-headed stepchild of the theater world. That's a shame because me coming up from stage combat, from all that, from theater training, it, it's the same thing. Not to say we can't kayfabe it, not to say we can't keep that, the, 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 the sense of disbelief going with it, but it should be treated like, not necessarily like entertainment. I don't necessarily buy Vince's vision of it. But <laughs> it's theater, and we should treat those stories like theater. Um, you know, with that in mind, you know, Mike and I, we run a workshop because we were both stage combatants, too. Yeah. And there's a whole world of people that train and do workshops for that. We have a workshop that we've run for the past three years with Renaissance Rumble called the Pro Wrestling Intensive for the Actor. That's what we do. Okay. What we do is we take people, you know, these are people who have heard of wrestling or they, they got a little interest in it. They, they, they're not sure they want to commit to the full training. Or they just want a taste of it, because I really think any actor benefits from doing professional wrestling, because it's like doing clown when you want to do realistic acting, and taking those your skills and bumping them up to 12 right. is what pro wrestling does. So I think there's benefit to that. Um, and in fact, in November, November 17th and 18th, in Philadelphia, South Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm from Dundalk, brother, but I had to throw the line. Yeah, me too, man. We're doing another intensive. Normally we do them over five weeks on the weekends, but this one is a weekend intensive. We're doing it two days, eight hours a day, mm. 17th and 18th. We're bumping people through. We're taking them through the ropes. We're teaching them how to bump, how to run ropes, how to build a character. We're giving them a short little match. We're going to have a little showcase at the end. And it's just a little taste, a little sous-saw, a little smell of what it's like to be a pro, to feel that bump. To know how to work with someone, to know how to talk with someone in the ring, to know how to have good partnering, because that's what good stage combat's all about, is how to listen to your partner. And by God, if you don't do that in the ring, you're going to hurt somebody. Right. So that training, we think, is invaluable. And if people want to join for that, you reach us at renaissancerumble.com, or renaissancerumble at gmail.com, and we can hook you up with that. 
And I'm glad you were uh, starting to put yourself over there because that was my next thing. How can people find you, Joe Grasso? And how can people find you at the Renaissance Rumble? Throw out any uh, email, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you got. Throw it out there, brother. Well, we got it all, brother. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Grimy Scott's. You can find us on Twitter at the Grimy Scott's. At Grimy Scott's. The drop the the. It's just Grimy Scott's. <laughs> you can find us on YouTube. We're on Grimy Scott's. We don't have a lot up there, but we put things up. You can find our old podcast. We used to have a podcast, you know, called The Road to Wrestling School. I know. We break this down. We would break down what it was to train and learn how to wrestle. Um, we don't do that as much because we don't travel together as much, uh, me and Mike. So we really let that go to the side. But when we do, we make little videos and we put them up on YouTube. So you can find us at Road to Wrestling School on YouTube. You can find Renaissance Rumble on Facebook. You can find Renaissance Rumble at Ren Rumble on Twitter. And if you're interested in our workshop and our intensive, you can reach us at any of those pages and message us, and we'll hook you right up. That is fantastic. And, of course, when we put this podcast up, we are on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, even MySpace, which is interesting. Um, and also we've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And, uh, you know, and, and we're going to share you. We're going to share the Grimy Scots. We're going to share the Renaissance Rumble. And uh, we are going to try to get more people out there to help enjoy and learn the craft of not only professional wrestling, not only stage combat, not only the works of shit. Shakespeare, but, you know, everything that you guys do, we will share what you do. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. No problem. Before we get going here, and I know I said this before, but you said something that uh, I wrote down, so you not, don't necessarily agree with Vince as far as the entertainment portion. Are you still a fan of professional wrestling? I am a fan of professional wrestling. I am a fan of indie professional wrestling. Okay. That's starting to blossom. You remember the old days? You remember the days of the late 90s when it was popping like crazy? I sure do. Everyone was getting into it, and the schools were booming, and you had these stars that, like, you'd go to the MCW shows back in the day, and things would just be boom, 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 boom. boom. Well, there was that lull in the early 2000s where things kind of went down. But then now, right now, holy crap, are things starting to explode again. I am a fan of indie pro wrestling, and I will watch it anytime I can, and I will perform on it anytime I can. And uh, I hear that, and I'm glad to hear that because I'm still out there on the indie circuit. And I, as you mentioned, MCW Pro Wrestling, I'm doing a podcast for them now, which is great. EWA Pro Wrestling, I've been I've been involved with them with six or seven years, and I'm still uh, helping them where I can and advising them where I can. SWO Pro Wrestling in Pennsylvania, a anybody that I can get a hold of, if they need to know about the grimy Scots and need to know about you, I'm going to tell them about you. So that is great. I love to hear that there's a uh, – and you're right, it is booming because all of these people you can watch the wwe and everything on the network and everything like that but if you want to see right in front of you in your face you want to see it you want to hear it you want to smell it you want to feel it indie pro wrestling is the way to go and it's not a bad price for a ticket and it's not too far to go from wherever you're at that's correct and if you want to see the nwl tag team champions you come on out to inwood west virginia where you'll see the nwl tag team champions Constantly defending our title against all comers, against all English and otherwise. I love that you can go right in and out of the accent. You are a true performer, sir. I love it. <laughs> By the way, one final thing. Uh, what, at the end of the UBWF, back in our uh, illustrious days, there was a match for the Hardcore Championship at the end of the entire run of the company, and it was thrown in the trash. Do you remember that? Correct. 
I do. Okay. Between me and Quiz. Yes, Quiz. I remember him. Uh, and uh, the final exam. I believe that was the stunner. I believe that was one of his finishers. Um, so, okay. Whatever happened to that? I, I have the UBWF Heavyweight Championship belt, the one that was created um, a couple of years before. Actually, shortly after you guys came in and we had the Grim Dungeon match with myself and Grimlock. I have that championship belt. I think Dr. Death. You know, our man Jay has one of the tag belts. Possibly Pantero has the other one, uh, Lavelle. What happened to that hardcore belt? I will let you know, brother. I'm walking into the closet in my office, and it has a place of honor. That's, what, my wall, right? that's what I thought, and I'm so glad you have it. <laughs> you know, I so... let anybody else take this away from me. I'll have you know, I let uh, the House of Pain Wrestling Federation use this, and the NWO use this. This is back before the, the management had changed, and they're champion at the time had taken it with him to Ohio. Well, I hunted him down and I got it back to make sure I kept this belt. I love it. That's a piece of history. It's our history, but it's a piece of history. I am so glad you have that. Thank you for making my day, Giuseppe. Absolutely, sir. <laughs> and thank you for this conversation. Uh, I know we could go on and on and on, and we will. And you are invited back to this podcast anytime you have availability, sir, because I know you're a busy man. So thank you. Uh, thank you, brother. I'll make it as often as I can. Wonderful. Any last words for the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast? out there is a dirty wrestling ugly podcast out there you might be dirty and ugly but you're not grimy yet you're not grimy like the grimy scott because our opponents might take the high road but we always take the low On the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed. My name is Dirty Mike. And I'm the Big Ugly. Coming to you live, not from the mansion. <laughs> not from the mansion 2.0. No. We are coming live from the Square of Franklin, as uh, Matt Hardy <laughs> would call it. And uh, uh, kudos to Matt Hardy. He uh, actually went home, apparently. He took his ball and went home. Yeah, said never say never, but yeah. he might not be wrestling anymore. So, okay, you know what? I'm glad you brought this up okay. because I've been wanting to talk about it. Yeah. All right. And I'd almost, it almost slipped my mind. So, Matt Hardy retires. Yes. I, unceremoniously, it's kind of like the whole Christian retirement. Sure. You know, he just kind of faded out. Number one, I'm like, that's weird to me because I feel like Matt Hardy is such a big star right now. That, right. You know, um, is there any details on why he's retiring? I mean, is it just he's just older, he's banged up. 
He just well, I know he said he wanted to spend more time with his family. Want to spend more time with his family off the road, outside of the business. Um, but I know he's still very creative in the business, and all of the uh, licensing and everything came over for the Broken Universe. So uh, I know they're going to continue with that in the WWE. Jeremy Borash is huge in the WWE, so I just think it's a way for him to get himself out of the ring on a full time schedule. Right. You know, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I. Overall, listen, I'm happy for Matt Hardy. I think he's had a great career. I I feel like I wish the broken character had of done a little bit more in WWE mm-hmm. or, or maybe with a little more time have gotten up to that main event level that we saw him at at TNA. Yeah. I think that overall this hurts Bray Wyatt the most. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bray Wyatt. Poor Bray Wyatt. Because, you know, here Bray Wyatt, you know, has pretty much been attached to Matt Hardy's hip for the better part of the past year. And yeah. now Matt's just out the picture, and it's like, where's Bray at mm-hmm. now? You know, where do you go with Bray Wyatt from here? I don't know, man. They they have a lot of ideas. You could stick him anywhere. You could stick him nowhere. You could stick him on the road. Uh, but poor Bray Wyatt, so talented and so creative, and it just falls by the wayside. I already know what they're gonna do. And put him on uh, <laughs> send Two. him back to two hundred five live. No. no, I don't know about that. No, that's the answer for everybody else. Yeah. No, they're gonna uh, they're gonna put the the Wyatt family back together. I hope so. I, I'm pretty sure they're gonna do that. Um, and now that the Bludgeon Brothers don't have the belts anymore, and one of them is fighting injury, which is always the case, right? You know why not? Uh, who is Eric Rowan again? Oh uh, yeah, dude, he can't stay healthy. No, this guy's like, I mean, he's just an injury magnet. <laughs> he is. Dude, okay. some people are just those injury magnets, and yeah. you know that's why they can't hold on to titles very he long. He gets right. He gets like a couple months running, and then he's out again. Like, come on, man. But I like the idea of putting the Bray, uh, the Wyatt family back together and put more different people now in the Wyatt family. Throw the B-team in there. B-team ain't doing jack. Yeah, man. They don't <clears> have the belts anymore. Yeah, throw them in there. They're part um, of the family. Why not? Yeah. Add Nikki Cross to it. Why not? I love she, that. She belongs in there. Right. Anybody in Sanity almost, you know, put right, yeah. Sanity in there. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, kudos to Matt Hardy. Um, and we're going to actually talk about his brother, Jeff who was in the opening match, not the kickoff match, but the opening match of the Hell in a Cell. But before we go into that, um, just want to say we had a great interview with Joe Grasso, Giuseppe, the Paisan of Pain, Renaissance Rumble, uh, Maryland uh, Renaissance Festival. Great conversation. And uh, I, I marked out hard for that uh, just because, you know, we had our Backyard Wrestling Federation, and I've known him for a long time. So uh, kudos to Giuseppe. You can find him anywhere that he told you, and we'll tag him all over this. So and make sure you go to the Renaissance Fair. I mean, any state, especially Maryland, go to the Renaissance Fair. Like you said, Big Ugly. Yeah. It's a fun time. It's a fun, yeah. Um, so let's talk about hell in a cell. Uh, first of all, it's red. All right. Did you know it was red before you read? <laughs> Did you know it was red before you read the results? No. Um, you're talking about the ring. The, the, the cell the itself cell, the is cell, red. Yes, the cell, yes. The cell is red. I thought it was cool. You did? Yes. Tell me why. I feel like we've seen the metal type of uh, cell mm-hmm. for a really long time now. Mm-hmm. I feel like red red is such a bright color that it's like it just grabs you. You know what I'm saying? When you're watching it. So it's like I, I felt like when I saw it, I was like, oh, you know, it like stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. But in a good way. But you didn't have any visual problems with it. Like no, when you were watching but, the competitors the, in the cell or anything. But like here's that. the thing, you know. And spoiler alert: I didn't watch the show. I read everything. That's okay. So I think that that could also play on why I thought it was cool. Because maybe if I had to sit and watch a three-hour pay-per-view with a red cell, it might 
it might hurt me. We only got to watch the, the beginning match and the end match in the cell. And actually, with the two matches that they had, it worked. And I'll explain to you why, because I actually did watch it. So, one thing I was thinking of before the very beginning, I like what you're saying. It's different. It's it's like a red, um, it's like a red Corvette. It grabs you, you know, yeah. grabs police attention. It, it grabs attention. Plus, it's hell, hell red, hell in a cell, king red, big red machine. So they, they were using that whole thing. So why not? The other thing I was thinking, if there was and there was blood that they can just fade that right into the camera angle and uh, just use that properly and the people in the arena are not going to know a difference. People at home are not going to know a difference because all you can do is fade out from the cell. Right. So, because there was some blood. Uh, there was some blood. Let's uh, go into the pre-show first. Now, the pre-show. New Day in the pre-show. Come on. I mean, these are some of the best people and workers on earth. But I understand. So, it's uh, Big E and Kofi Kingston with Xavier Woods at ringside. Um, they were defending their five-time, 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 five-time SmackDown Tag Team Championship against Rusev Day, Aiden English and Rusev. By the way, there was a great theatrical microphone exchange at the beginning of that. Um, anyway, big, fantastic back-and-forth, false finishes all over the place, and this seemed like an NXT tag team match, and if you know what I mean by that, you, it means the WWE didn't book this. Yeah. It, this was booked by NXT, and actually there were two NXT officials actually refereeing that match and a couple other matches during the show. So what we were talking about earlier, getting that indie-style feel, I kind of felt that with the beginning of this match. Okay. Like, they were going in a different direction. This wasn't the same cookie-cutter tag team championship match that you see on a WWE pay-per-view or on a WWE Raw or SmackDown. They went a different direction with this one. So I, I like to hear that I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Um, and I think that, you know, I mean, NXT matches in general have been more captivating than Absolutely. WWE matches. That right. is like without a doubt. And even though I've fallen off of NXT, I will. I have been like going back on. I've been going back on Wednesdays watching NXT on Hulu. And <laughs> <laughs> so you see half of it. Right. <laughs> Sorry, Hulu. Yeah, but luckily NXT shows are short enough where Hulu will actually keep all of it on there. Good. So, but um, but yeah, the NXT matches are always good. You know, you know, one thing I do like that NXT does, they dim the lights in the crowd, and they only put the spotlight on the ring. That's correct. So it's like you know they black the crowd out, and everything is like on the ring. I think you know it's just those small details that make a difference. You know, yeah. um, putting all the focus on the wrestlers. Now, they didn't do that specifically, not that touch, but I'm just saying the yeah, in-ring yeah. work from the bell to bell work, but yes, and that too the psychology, is, like that, yes. you can tell if this is an NXT-style match or a WWE-style sure. match. And you know a perfect example? Uh, uh, what's their name? Dawson? Dashin? Dashin Dawson. Dawson, right. Yeah. When you watch their match in NXT, ph- phenomenal. Absolutely. The guys now, don't get me wrong, they're still good, right. but you can tell they're just, they just don't have that exact same style no. that gave them that reputation in NXT. Right. But if they get into this world, if this world was not a fluke, this Hell in a Cell world, then they could be big players. Just like the Authors of Pain, just like, well, maybe not the Ascension anymore, because they're both like pushing 300 pounds. But Yeah, they're, they're finished. They're done. Yeah. But uh, it's just a, a fantastic opening match. Just one match during the pre-show. And by the way, Jonathan Coachman did a great job on the pre-show because Renee Young has been bumped up to the full time. Yeah. So what? So explain to me what's going on with that. It's coach. So coach got some other opportunities back with ESPN, I believe, and got some other opportunities back, you know, elsewhere. So Renee Young is taking Coach's full time spot on Monday Night Raw, and uh, Jonathan Coachman is doing miniature stuff here and there, doing some uh, stuff for the network. 
doing some stuff for the panels. And I think it was much, much better because Jonathan Coachman live with a micro, like a microphone in his mouth and a earphone in his ear, he's not good. He, I don't like his contribution at all. Renee Young is going to take some time for her to get involved. Sure. But I do like the fact that she, um, that she was there. And I do like the fact that they gave her a chance to do it. So, Coach is still with the WWE. Big time. Um, big time. There we go. And uh, shout out to uh, Deacon Storm, who is uh, blowing up my other <laughs> numeric device there. Um, okay. So, that was the only match in the kickoff show. Good match. Lots of good previews and promos for each match. The one thing I will say is that... Uh, two things, actually. If they play all the promos in the pre-show, and they play all the promos in the weeks leading up, I do not want to see the same exact long promo right before the match. So they did it a couple of times where they kind of mixed up the promo and just made it a short of what it was before the match actually happened. Because mm-hmm. um, I know you got to get the ring reset. I know you got to get the lights reset and everything reset. But I don't want to see that same long five-minute promo four, five, six times right. in the same night. By that time, I'm like, I don't even care what happens. I just want the match to be over so I don't see the promo anymore. I, I, Feel me? I, yeah, I agree. WrestleMania, um, yeah. prime example. That was an eight-hour show. Right. And that's exactly why. Because, yeah, because you have to keep watching all those promos. But the thing is, is that, what, so what would be the alternative? Because, as you said, they've got to reset the rings. They've got to do all of this stuff. So it's either they're going to give you the promo or they're going to give you a commercial. Give me a backstage. You know, don't give me that same promo of the match that we're about to watch. I will take that. I will. I, I love backstage stuff. I don't think, and, and it's funny because they don't really do much of it no, at pay-per-views anymore at all. No. You know, it's all just match, 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 you know, or match, you know, promo, match. You yeah. know, that's it. So I, I, I will take I that. I want some more backstage. I yeah. want some more interviewing people before they go out to the ring, interviewing people as they've come out of the ring, interviewing people later on in the night after they've won or lost. I want some more backstage. Yeah. I love backstage. Um and one more point about as we go into the main card of Hell in a Cell. When you're watching an NXT pay-per-view, you specifically, you might not be caught up on all the stories, but you're captivated by the matches. Absolutely. So this is kind of what's happened in the WWE and the mainstream. You have to be captivated by the stories because there's so many of them out there. Um, the stories are, are what's keeping it going. It's the action that's kind of been falling flat. on a, Not all the time. But a lot of the time. So when you hear, and you're going to go back and watch this, because I know you read the sport, the, uh, the uh, results, but let's just start at the beginning. Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy started off the show, Hell in a Cell. They announced this about 30 minutes before the match, uh, the matchup began. Um, so, started off, by the way, none of these matches started in a collar and elbow tie-up. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, all of these were such personal feuds. Especially this one. I don't know if you've seen it so far where uh, Randy Orton uh, stuck his finger yeah, in Jeff Hardy's earlobe. Yeah. yeah. I was okay. like pulling it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Vicious. So it got worse. So, you know, there were chairs, there were tables, um, there were ladders, and 30 minutes at least these guys went. Both of them bloodied, not on the head, all on the back. Uh, a lot of them bloodied on the back and the leg. Randy Orton had a gash going down his leg. So why these two would decide to put themselves through this at their point in their careers, I don't know why. Maybe this was Jeff Hardy's song, Swan Song, too. But um, what a match. Uh, back and forth, you had no idea who was going to win because it really doesn't benefit or hurt anybody for these two to win or lose at this point in time because they're already established. You don't yeah. need So one spot of the match... Two spots, actually, I'll get into. 
So uh, it's the earlobe. Yeah. I mean, I will say the thing is, is like, I mean, I see what you're saying as far as at this point in their career. Why would they put themselves through this? But I feel like. I feel like the climate is like you have to. It's like you can't rest on your laurels. Exactly. You because, can't just get another match between these two. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, people... The, the point is, is like, yes, you're Randy Orton. Yes, you're Jeff Hardy. But if you don't come out and do something that we haven't seen, you know, it's it's one of those, you know, what have you done for me lately? It's like nobody's going to look back and be like, well, I don't care if it's Jeff Hardy or Randy Orton. It's like, no, I just don't care about these guys right now. Right. They'll be legends in wrestling, but... They could retire today, and I wouldn't care. And so these guys have to go out there and put on these matches and still put themselves through something to show, hey, we're still willing to entertain at the highest level, and we're not just like, oh, we've been in this business for 20 years. Mm -hmm. We're going to phone it in. That's good, and I'm glad they did that. You know, And my thinking of why did they do this, I think you're exactly right. This might be the why. Why did they do this? And they should be doing it because – that's what everybody would expect. Just another cookie cutter Randy Orton Jeff Hardy match. Yep. No chance. This thing was awesome. Um, two spots in particular. Jeff Hardy was in the ring lying down. Randy Orton got out a toolbox from under the ring, pulled out a screwdriver, and he took that screwdriver, put it into the earlobe of Jeff Hardy, and started turning that bitch. <laughs> um, obviously, Jeff Hardy's earlobes are extremely well. Versed, you yeah, know, they're you, large. Yeah. They're large, you know. So I, this did not hurt as much as it antis- as it showed, but they sold the crap out yeah. of it. Um, my God, he was trying to twist it and rip it off, and Jeff Hardy yeah. was fighting back. It was great. So eventually, Jeff Hardy set up some ladder and table concoction in the middle of the ring, and realized that he could not leap over the ladder like he wanted to, like he usually does his leap over leapfrog. Um, so he had to climb, and he had to hang from the top of the cell. And dangle back and forth, dangle, dangle, dangle to a point where, oh, he dropped face first through a table um, that Randy Orton was laying on, however he moved. Yeah. So the referee at this point calls for the, calls for the cage to be raised, the belt, the, the match to be stopped, and Randy Orton's like, no, 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 I don't care if he's hurt, you do your job, whatever. And the referee's like, he's hurt, damn it, whatever. And Randy Orton, heal Randy Orton, love it. Do your job. Made him count to three, even though Jeff Hardy was really hurt. So yeah, that's great. So he did it, hey. and then Randy Orton sold it because he was beat up after that match. Uh, he walked around and sold it. He did not attack Jeff Hardy again. He left it alone, and then Jeff got wheeled out on a stretcher. Man, you know, I, I heard that he got wheeled out on a stretcher. Um, I, Randy Orton needs to go down as one of the greatest heels in the business. He sure does. Like, you know, I, he is a true heel. We always talk about how when he comes... If he's been gone for a while, if he's injured, they always bring him back as a face. Yeah. And, you know, people are happy to see Randy Orton back. But then it's like, you leave him a face too long, and he just he just squandered. You know, yeah. he can't he can't do it, you know. Absolutely. But you turn him heel, and he's back to the top, just like that. Because that, that's that's where he is. That's who he is. He that's is great. a heel. He is a He's a heel. Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Pardon me. What a great heel. Go back and watch this match specifically. It was fantastic. Now, you would think... That the next match would be that come down match, right? Yeah. Because that one was so hot. Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair to win the SmackDown Women's Tag Team Champion, or I'm sorry, the SmackDown Women's Championship. And I thought <clears throat> initially this is going to be a come down match. No, this was really personal too. This match, uh, there was body parts being worked on. Uh, there was psychology being used. The friendship was being used. A fantastic back and forth all the way. Had no idea. And then Becky uh, got a quick roll up for a win. Didn't cheat. Just 
no definitive winner in this match, but Becky Lynch was better on this night. So how do you feel about that overall? You take the, you know, Charlotte wins a title from Carmella mm-hmm. just to essentially lose it at the next big pay-per-view right. versus Becky Lynch. I'm okay with that. Okay. Charlotte's going to win the title 15 times like her dad did. Right. You know? But at this point, I think the idea was to turn Becky heel. I don't think that's happening here. This is they're, they're turning it the other way, but they should run with it. Becky is the one getting face reactions, and Charlotte is the one getting booed. Right. So Even, you're saying they should just go ahead and do kind of the double turn? The double turn. Right. To make what they wanted to do, but then what you think they're going to do and just go both ways with it. Right. Because at the end of the match, uh, Becky Lynch was uh, standing in the middle of the ring. Charlotte got up, and Charlotte was going to raise Becky's hand. And then Becky just raised the belt and walked away. Love it. Yeah. And then Charlotte was just left there. Left you know, there standing. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. This, so this feud can continue, and it will. There's going to be a rematch clause somewhere down the road. Do you think that, let me ask you this, do you think that the women don't keep the belts long enough, like the champions, compared to the men? Other than Nikki Bella, when she had the Divas Championship? No, I don't. Uh, because, and, and I guess Asuka's the NXT women's title. That reign was pretty long, but other than that, they don't keep them very often. They're, to get more juice and beef behind the women's championships, they need to let somebody have it. Carmella had it for, what, six months? Maybe? Did she have it for six months? She had it at WrestleMania, right? <clears throat> she had it at WrestleMania? Or she wanted think, it at WrestleMania. Right, because when did she cash in? I, I don't think she she. I don't think she cashed in her. Or did money she cash in it before uh, WrestleMania? Was it on the night after WrestleMania, like on that SmackDown? Yeah, I think. think yeah. Okay, yeah. so I was thinking WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. But either way, she did have it for a long time. She had it for a, co- a couple of months, and they yeah. thought it was going to go somewhere. But now it's going to be hot potato. And then now Ronda Rousey's got the belt, which we're going to get to that in a minute uh, on the Raw side. No, I think she'll keep that for a while. Nobody should beat Ronda Rousey. Yeah, nobody. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to have not to, right they're, they're going to gimmick it. Oh, some, of course, and and some point. But yeah, you can, you can always gimmick something. Yeah, but uh, we will get to that point. But as far as that, I think if you and if you maybe add some women's tag team championships, I don't know if that's too many titles, but you need to get some women with some longevity. Um, but there's only one title per women's side so far, so we'll have to see what they have to do with that. Uh, let's talk about the next match, which again, I, I thought it was going to be a come down match. Uh, I'm just thinking this is going to be the same old, same old between you, Ziggler and McIntyre. Uh, versus uh, Ambrose and Seth Rollins for the Raw Tag Team Championship. Um, wow, 25, 30 minutes of NXT-style tag team action. And I'm talking psychology, blind tags, fake tags, um, using Rollins getting the hell beat out of him for 15 minutes, not even getting Ambrose a tag, which also leads you to believe that Ambrose could still cur- turn heel. But he didn't, and there was just so much back and forth, and the chemistry between all of these guys were Oh, like on point, bro. Gotta watch this match. This is a tag team match. I don't think any. I love the Shield. I like each of these guys individually, but I was I had no love for this match when I first started watching it. By the time I was over, I yeah. loved it. All right. So why did you have no love for it from the beginning? Because Ziggler, I've been watching him for ten years. He, every time he does something fun, he comes back and disappoints me. McIntyre, same thing. I've been watching him for a long time. He wants to come up. He wants to do something big. He just kind of falls back down into the shadows. Dean Ambrose just came back, hasn't had the time to reestablish himself yet. And Seth Rollins, by himself, I love. I love his new music, all that kind of stuff. But when you put the four of these guys together in a storyline that I wasn't really digging, I wasn't really excited for the match. Right. But 
just even though I wasn't, the match itself had value. So how do you feel Ziggler has been doing as a main eventer so far? Because, I mean, essentially he is in the main event, him and McIntyre, you know, with with, with Braun, uh, Braun. And, and Roman. You know, they've been essentially like the main eventers for past couple Raws and stuff. How do you feel they're doing? I feel that it's comfortable for Ziggler because he's been there before. I think uh, it's been comfortable for McIntyre, even though he never did it in the WWE before. He can do it. Yeah. He's a main event player. There's no doubt about that. Um I feel like I feel, I feel like the crowd feels like you, as far as not knowing how to really react to Dolph Ziggler anymore. You know, it's like yeah, you. It's like because you've watched him for so long, you watch his 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 career seesaw so much. It's mm-hmm. like can it's almost like you you want to trust him as like this top heel almost, but then it's like at the same time, it's like you. It's like ah, but he kind of disappoints a lot. You know, it's like it's so it's like you don't really know how to react to him, but. Overall, I think him and McIntyre are doing a good job. I think they're doing a good job, and when you go back and watch this match... They're having good matches. Oh, my God. You will see that they are doing a great job in this match. They won. Uh, they came out with the Tag Team Championships, Ziggler and McIntyre. But what a match. I mean, just an excellent, excellent match. And then there's no come down in sight. AJ Styles and Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. Went about 15-20. Um... This match did not start with a Colin Neville tie-up either. It shouldn't because Samoa Joe was going after AJ's wife and yeah. AJ's daughter. He got personal. Got personal. Um, so this match was actually really good. There's a lot of longevity in this feud. I don't think the match was better than the one that they had recently. It might have been SummerSlam. Um, speaking of uh, matches, oh, we got SmackDown Live on the uh, Franklin Square Television Network coming hey, up right here. SmackDown Live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we're going to be uh, kind of watching this in the background. And there it is. Becky Lynch's championship carnation. Wow. How about that? I don't think it's going to be Charlotte that's going to be giving it to her. Um, let's go back to AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. So AJ Styles won. There was a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Hmm. Oh, that might have been the bumper. That yeah, might have been yeah, the preview. Let's yeah, yeah, say it's yeah, not, not on yet. It's not yet. Oh, my God, because Modern Family come back on. Yeah. All right. So this is the podcast that's dirty and ugly. We right. go everywhere. All right. Lots of back and forth. Fantastic match. My kind of match. NXT style match, but still not their best work. They can do more, uh, but there's still more fuel in this feud. But the ending was really great and shot very well by the camera and given very well to the people under the headsets. So there was a Kikita clutch. Samoa Joe had AJ Styles in the Kikita clutch. And then AJ bumped backwards, rolled back. So he was actually on top, uh, driving the shoulders of Samoa Joe. The referee went around to the other side, counted one, two, three. Samoa Joe still got the Kikita clutch on. So the referee counts one. The referee counts two. AJ taps out. Referee counts three. On every camera angle in the beginning, you don't see this, but Samoa Joe is jumping up like he won because he saw Joe. He saw, he J- saw AJ, AJ tap, tap out. Yeah. So he's got a big gripe and a big beef. And, uh, you know, what's going to happen after this? We don't know, but then the announcers go back and of course, it's uh, Corey Graves. You know, you know what? Let's take another look at that. I see exactly what Samoa Joe's talking about. AJ Styles should not be the WWE champion right now. Gotta love Corey Graves. I love him every time, and he's on both announced teams too. So, what a match! What an opening to have another match, um, which I believe they will, uh, if not at Super Show Showdown, which is coming up October the sixth in um, 
Australia, I believe it is. Yeah, it's Australia. And then they got October 28th, which is Evolution, the all-women's pay-per-view. And they have another Saudi Arabian pay-per-view coming up in November. Uh, I can't remember what that one's called, but they started announcing that one last night. But I do believe there is a rematch. Yes, uh, I believe there is a rematch, and I think it's no disqualification, no count-out at the Super Showdown. Because the next thing you saw was a backstage. How about that? And Joe was pissed. Joe was watching the the uh, the replay, and then Paige was standing there. He was yelling at Paige, and Paige was like, you know, not in my way, get out of my way, whatever. <laughs> and then the referee was standing right there as well. I was like, how did you not see that? And Joe was just lighting him up, and I loved it. It's like the referee's decision is final, but you have a legitimate gripe, and they give you a no disqualification, no count out, rematch in Australia. Right. So I mean, it's been a good feud, so I don't mind another one. It's been a good feud. Here's the only come down match that I could see, and it wasn't really a come down, it just wasn't anything special about it. The Miz and Maurice defeated Daniel Bryan and Bree. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, typically mixed tag team matches are like come downs. Other, other than the Ronda Rousey one at WrestleMania, because that was her first match. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you, Honestly, that feud didn't... I mean, I know the Daniel Bryan-Miz feud has eight years of history behind it, and if they put them like in a hell in a cell, the two of them together... But if you add Bree and Maurice into it, it doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah, when you add them into it, it feels very gimmicky. It is. It doesn't feel so real anymore as Miz and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. You know. And it is. It's kind of like the, when Miz and Maurice went at uh, Nikki and uh, John, John Cena. Cena. Yeah. Which was... Gimmicky as well as after the match, there was gimmicky too. Yeah. Then we see what happened with that. You can watch Total Bellas and Total Divas on the E Network, by the way. Um, man, uh, I didn't like that match. That I most of these other matches I give B's to A's. If we're talking about that grade thing that we were talking about yes. earlier, this one I'd give a B minus, maybe a C. Right. Nothing right. special yeah. about it. Now I'll tell you the next match: Ronda Rousey defending the Raw Women's Championship against Alexa Bliss. No squash this time. Uh, Natalia was in Ronda Rousey's corner. Uh, Alicia Fox and Mickey James were in Ale- Alexa Bliss's corner. Alexa dominated this match. She'd been working on the ribs of Ronda Rousey for a couple of weeks. Um, and she dominated the match. And you could tell that the match was pretty well put together, whoever the agent was. Yes. And you could definitely tell Alexa was running the show. Um, of course. You just, yeah. yeah. And uh, her being the veteran in this situation was kind of interesting. Uh, but that turned out to be... A very well told, well told story, um, and then it was just a matter of Alexa trying to fight up from you know trying to stay up on top and not fight up from underneath. But eventually, Ronda would just hulk up, I guess, basically, yeah. and just finish her. Yeah. And then, of course, once you get the armbar on, it's the two second tap out, and it's over. It's done. Do you think that they're setting up? I'm assuming this is over. Their few. I hope so. I hope so. Right. This is the second Same. one. Yeah. So they might go for it. I hope it's over. They did just bring back Nia Jax on Monday Night Raw. Right. So we'll see. Um, I was going to say, do you think that they're going to set up for a Natalia-Ronda feud? If Natalia turns heel again. Yeah. Because I don't see them turning Ronda heel. Yeah. Because I think it'll be good. It'll be like the expert fighter versus like the expert wrestler. Even if it's face versus face, I don't mind that. Yeah. I want to see that. Excuse me. I want to see that fight. I think it's going to be a good fight. That would be. Yeah. And we might see that coming up at Evolution, the all-women's pay-per-view, October 28th, streaming well, first, live. Yeah. Well, you know, first person to beat Ronda Rousey is going to be Charlotte Flair. But you, you think so? Yeah. What about Asuka? Nah, man. Your girl, man. Yeah. It's going to be Charlotte Flair. Asuka ain't, ain't been on TV more than James Ellsworth in the past month or two. Right, yeah. I guess Shout they, out to James. Yeah, they, give her some, they don't have anything for her. What they do you want to do with it? You That's can only right. have one dominant woman 
at a time. That's what they say. Creative has nothing for you. They really don't. Yeah. It's a damn shame. Speaking of creative, let's go into something that we've seen before. Roman Reigns defending the universe. Well, we haven't seen this particular thing, but Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman we've seen before. Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship inside Hell in a Cell. Uh, and McFoley, the special guest referee. So before we get into why, the only reason is because there was a special aired on the network directly after that match was over, uh, twenty years of Foley, and because it is the twenty-year anniversary of McFoley and Undertaker in Hell in a Cell in Pittsburgh, right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, that's the only reason. Okay, because Mick played no role, he took no bumps, thank God. Um, but here's the other thing. Mick Foley screwed up twice. He counted three in the middle of that match, and it had to be covered by the participants. He counted three, but pulled it back and said it was two, but he actually hit the mat, and the shoulders were down, so he had to cover himself. <laughs> so the participants actually helped him with that. So Roman and Braun just beating the crap out of each other, using the steps, tables, everything under the ring, using the cell, uh, everything, you know, nothing special here. And then we just know in the cell, nobody's boys can get in because it's a enclosed tent. Well, who you know, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre do come down, but before they even get close, the shield comes down, you know, takes them apart. So we have three fights basically going on. You know, a member of the shield, member uh, of Drew, member of shield, member of uh, McIntyre, you know, whatever Ziggler, and then we got Strowman and Roman chilling in the ring, rest hold, <laughs> you know, resting. So. Awesome stuff here with the the fighting that ends up all four of them on top of the cell, uh, and you think somebody's going off, and they do. I know Ziggler climbed down, and I think it was uh, I think it was Rollins too. It might have been Ambrose. Can't remember exactly. They didn't go off the top of the cell. They kind of fought their way down the side of the cell, and then both crashed through announce tables. So they they crashed down through announce tables, not from the top of the cell, but like from like the middle part. the middle part, right? Yeah, like Shawn Michaels bump. Shawn Michaels bump, yeah. exactly. Still a hellacious bump, but definitely not a Shane McMahon-induced bump. Um, or a Jeff Hardy one, which I was expecting. But here's here's the interesting part about all this. Out of nowhere, Brock Lesnar. I, I thought we were done talking about yeah. him for now. But he came out, he was all bearded up. Him and Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman screaming at the referee and cursed. Give me the goddamn key. Give me the goddamn key. And, you know... Just didn't work, so Lesnar just kicked the door in like Kane did twenty years ago. Love. And uh, he, for some reason, he took the door and put it in the ring. Not sure why, because he didn't use it. But he then proceeded to beat the hell out of Strowman and Reigns, leave them both laying. And then, as the referee came in, the referee said neither one of them continue. The match is over. So bullshit ending. Yeah. Bullshit ending. No kind of Tell me what you feel about this. All right, so I, I know a lot of people have been upset about that, but... I love how, the Brock so Lesnar so, Okay, thing. that's what I was going to ask. I was like, do you like the Brock Lesnar? I like the role he played you, in this. You like the role, but you feel like there still needs to be a winner. Kind of like in the Kane, what, what, what happened to Kane. Like, Shawn Michaels still won the match against the Undertaker. Absolutely. So, but at the same time, it's like, how do, how do you get there because... Brock Lesnar has beef with both of them. Yeah. So he lays both of them out. So he's not going to be like Kane and going to drag one of them onto the other. Yeah. You you if if one of them gets up and pins the other, then it takes away from what Brock Lesnar just did because it's like they still mustered up the strength. Exactly. So you I understand the that it's a BS gimmick uh finish, but 
I feel like you had nowhere else to go with it when you introduced Brock Lesnar into the scenario. I think you're right. And then when uh, Brock Lesnar, I should say, Braun Strowman cashed in his money in the bank for the opportunity, he didn't successfully complete it. The match was a draw. So how do you get by that? But they did explain it on Raw. Uh, They are going to have a triple threat match. Uh, I I believe it's the Saudi Arabia pay-per-view. I think, again, Roman versus Brock versus Braun. So that's a long way away, too. That's, uh, That's in November. So... That means Roman's going to hang on to that title for a while, even though he is the big defending champion that we know of. Yeah. So, all overall, I like that there was a lot of other things happening in that match. If it was Braun and Roman from A to Z, I don't think I would have liked it as much. But I'll, I'll give that whole pay-per-view for effort. Other than the Miz-Daniel Bryan match, I'll give B's maybe some A's in there, especially for some harder work matches like the first three on the card. Yeah. Jeff and Randy, Becky and, yeah. um, Becky and Charlotte. And also the uh, tag team title match for the Raw. You know what? I, I got to give credit for WWE for putting on a good show like Hell in a Cell because, you know, with some of these pay-per-views, you know, they just kind of just run, go through the motions yeah. sometimes. Especially with the ones that's like the, the TLCs, the Extreme Rules. It's just kind of like, okay. We've been to those live yeah. where they've run through the motions with yeah, that. They, we've seen them on yeah. the network. But it seems like they put some real care into this. And especially this being, what, is it, this is the next pay-per-view off of SummerSlam, right? Yes. Cause, yeah, because it's like typically when you run it off of, like, straight off of one of the big four, it's just kind of like, all right, let's just get through it. But, you know, they're keeping that momentum. You know, so we'll see how it get, goes before, you know, Survivor mm-hmm. Series. But. And this ties right back into what you were talking about, about the indie wrestling in New Japan, the Ring of Honor. WWE has got to step up their game on every platform they're on, especially the pay-per-views. The pay-per-views back in the late 90s, 2000s, that was the place to go. Every match meant something, and you did not leave without knowing that you got full for your money. And I'm not talking about just $9.99 for the network. I'm talking about you got, you know, if you went to the event, if you paid for parking, for food, for merch, you know, you got the most for your money. Right. And so, whether you're paying nine ninety nine for the network or paying for your cable subscription or Hulu, as it were, <laughs> um, you need to feel like you're getting the most of your money. So, I think the WWE is stepping up their game, and the right people are doing the right things, booking the shows, making it happen. I I agree. Um, so I'm excited so, to see what. Yeah. Yeah. Go back and watch. Have. So you What's got the next one. Uh, so the next one is going to be um, the, the Super Show, the Super Showdown in Australia. So, th- so that's that's considered the next pay per view. That is correct. When okay, and that's I, on I Saturday night. Kane is going to be in Undertaker's corner. That is and, correct. You know, Shawn and that's Michael's the big one that there. they keep pushing. Yeah, Undertaker was on Monday Night Raw last night, and Undertaker, uh, you know, definitely said his piece. Brought up Taker's, uh, brought up Triple H's name, brought up Shawn Michaels' name. Yeah. Um, so I see that there's going to be some corner men. So there's going to be some some help out there. These, these guys are 50 years old. You know, these aren't the old joysticks anymore. And here's what I'm afraid. I told you about this on the last podcast. There's, they've had so many classic matches between Triple H and the uh, the Undertaker that I don't want to see this match sully those others. Yeah. Feel me? Yeah. I, I here's the thing. I feel like we know. That it can't live up to what it was, and, only, and the reason we know that is because more than anything, we've seen Undertaker matches recently, and we know he just doesn't perform at the level he used to perform. I think Triple H can put on still decent matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like what's going to happen is it's just going to be a bunch of Gaga in mm. there, you know, with Shawn Michaels and Kane, and there's a lot of feuds there, yeah. you know. Um, 
Which I think the Australia fans are going to appreciate. You know, oh, this, is more, this, is, this is more for them. Yeah. This isn't really for us. This is a glorified house exactly, show for them. Exactly. So that's what that is. They're, they're going to love that stuff. We're going to be like, no, we, we remember, you know, because we've been watching it, you know, for so long. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So we're just going to have to separate ourselves out of it and understand, like, this is not for us. Right. This you is know, not. Yeah. Same thing we had to do with the yeah. greatest Royal it, Rumble. Yeah. It's almost this like comic books. Us. It's like, this is not in the canon of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is not in the canon a few. So. I love it. Yeah. This is not for us. Well, hey, man, uh, right here in the Franklin Square Hospital, we've had a great conversation. I appreciate you visiting me, uh, you know, and your illustrious wife who works here as well. Uh, I appreciate her. So you never know, she might be helping me out here tonight. Got a lot of great people and staff here doing yes. some great things. So what's next for you, Big Ugly? I know we're going to do a podcast in another couple of weeks. We're going to talk about uh, the Super Showdown probably. Yes. We're going to talk about the uh, Women's Rev- yeah. Evolution coming up. That. Uh, well, you know what? At the mansion, I'm hoping so. Uh, <laughs> and if it won't be on that Saturday, it'll be on that Sunday, the seventh, yeah. because it'll be on the network, and uh, I'll be uh, singing in a district barbershop competition that day nice. on the sixth. So if we happen to win, or if we happen to place high enough, uh, we will be singing later that night, and uh, we will be celebrating. But either way, uh, we will be watching that at my place at the mansion because I won't be here in Franklin Square right here. Um, and it'll be it'll be good. So yeah, we got evolution coming up. Also, let's uh, let's shout out to all these indie promotions that we're talking about. You know, the Deacon Storm contacted me about MCW Pro Wrestling. MCW, got to get up to yeah. MCW. Got EWA Pro Wrestling. Tall Cedars Hall in Parkville, Maryland, coming up this Saturday. Evolution, big ladder match. SWO, you just talked about. Yeah. Man, they got September 29th in St. John's uh, Lutheran in York, Pennsylvania. They got October the sixth in Seven Valleys, Pennsylvania. Uh, and that's a Halloween show, and then they're going to be doing some other stuff back in Red Lion. So TNA, TNA Impact, uh, Impact Wrestling on yeah. Thursday nights. Uh, what's that? That Pop TV? No, that's on a different uh, WGN America. That's what it is. Oh, so it's not Pop TV. Anymore? I don't think it's Pop TV oh, anymore. Oh man, Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground. They got oh, that yeah. going on, yeah, uh, and that's on. Um, Whatever that in the, the the El Rey Network, that's yeah, what it is. It's on Netflix too. Netflix, that's right. Netflix. Yeah. I like Netflix. You know what else is on Netflix? You might you might appreciate this. I found this this morning, uh, or actually yesterday morning before I checked into the illustrious Franklin Square. Uh, it's called Power of Grayskull, and it is a ninety minute documentary about He Man. Now there was a toy thing on there that talked about the toys. This is about the entire He Man universe. Okay. So if you're a fan, it's something you want to look at. I was a fan of He Man yeah. growing up, and I, I watched it. I, I loved think, it. I think He Man might have been a little bit before me. I think it was like at my time, but I was too young. Because He Man's like what, like the late eighties, right? Like late uh, 80s. mid eighties to late eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like I was still like too young to appreciate. He- it's just like him and the Thundercats. Oh my! You know, I, 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 just, I just missed it. You know, I enjoyed the Thundercats yeah. as well. Yeah. And we want to thank Joe Grasso for joining us on the uh, second segment of the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Big Ugly is going to take this Zoom machine, throw it together, and we're going to throw up, I guess it's episode number 55, unless we got 55. that number wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to send you a nice graphic of it, and you already have the interview with Joe Grasso, so we've got that covered. What are your last starts here from the uh, illustrious Franklin Square Hospital? Uh, nothing much. Would you now. like some Jello? No. I got, uh, I'm, I'm I got right. some Jello and some cherry cocktail. Actually, got some broth over there and some le- ice cold lemon chill. Yeah. Ice some, cold icy ice. Got some of that Bill Cosby Jello. In there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Bill Cosby Jello. That that's legal Jello right there, as far as I know. Whoa! Yeah. I would like a pudding pop. Uh, yeah. that, that's something I would be uh, interested in. But that that's the next phase. I can only go one step at a time here with these foods. 
Uh, but anyway, it's been a great. Thank you for coming out and visiting me. I appreciate it. Of course, it. man. So maybe what we can do is we can watch a few minutes of SmackDown, and then yes, uh, you can yeah, get on your way to the illustrious career that you are living. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. So why don't we uh, close it out like we always I do? Always do. Three, two, one. Deuces. Deuces.